What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe in Portland, Oregon. This spot offers free live music every Thursday night throughout the summer from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Sunday brunch tunes from noon to 2 p.m. with DJs spinning vinyl. Lots of dance parties both day and night are on the summer calendar as well, featuring events from Global Based and other promoters. They are located in inner southeast Portland, and aside from offering free music every week on their patio, they've got a killer brunch menu on Saturdays and Sundays. The Migas and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and the lunch and dinner menu doesn't slack either. Come through and check out some tunes over there at Produce Row Cafe, as well as their new summer seasonal cocktail menu. This is a great spot to grab some food and some drinks and enjoy some tunes with friends or family. Appreciate Produce Row being a supporter of the podcast and the local Portland music community. Now let's start the show. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to leave those reviews. Cannot stress the importance of those enough. And uh, if you're not listening on Apple, just uh, hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. Maybe tell 
a friend about the show if you are digging it and i have also been dropping some monthly playlists every first of the month on spotify and apple so you can check out those things just kind of a snapshot of some of the things that i am listening to regularly throughout the month and some things that are making it into my dj sets speaking of dj sets i'm gonna be at north 45 next sunday that is july 17th playing some jams from 4 p.m to 6 p.m over there on their beautiful patio they've got djs over there every sunday from four to six so check that out sometime the links for those playlists will be in the episode notes and you can follow me on instagram that link also in the episode notes so you can keep up with uh, all the things i am doing outside of the podcast hope everybody is doing well out there we got episode 316 in store for you here nice from minneapolis minnesota is on the show love minneapolis got to spend a day there a couple months back when i was on tour with uh high pulp and had a really cool time at the hook and ladder venue there in minneapolis and uh but nice this band rips they are sort of this indie hybrid of emo and punk rock and rock and roll, lots of dynamic, and I'm so glad I got to see them play at Treefort Music Fest in Boise a few months back, one of my favorite sets of the fest. They were a band I was really looking forward to seeing, but didn't know that I was going to end up doing a podcast with the band's frontman and guitar player, Roddy. We just kind of chatted for a minute after their set, and I told him I'd love to link up before they took off if possible. So we squeezed it in super early the following morning before they, they took off on their next tour stop. And I'd been listening to the music for quite a few months, I guess, leading up to the Tree Fort Fest and really dig the albums but it was definitely one of those things when i saw it live i just absolutely fell in love with this band they were just so goddamn good live but uh yeah we recorded this in the hotel breakfast room where nice was staying which provided some atmosphere to say the least at one point a hotel staff member starts vacuuming near us which is fun there's a baby crying at one point, carpentry happening. This one has got, uh, it's got it all as far as background noise, but it's uh, also got a real DIY feel to this one, which feels appropriate for the spirit of uh, this band and, and the whole Tree Fort Music Festival. And, and it's uh, it's not super distracting to the audio or anything. It's just uh, it's just kind of some some fun things happening there in the uh the background while this conversation is happening and uh this one i guess is almost four months old which is hard to believe that much time has passed already since going out to tree fort and i've still got one more conversation with french cassettes from the bay area of california from the fest to put out as well so that is coming at you soon and uh that will be a wrap on all the episodes i recorded out there in Boise had a, a good time talking to Roddy though that morning about things that the band enjoys outside of playing music like sketch comedy shows we kind of geeked out about uh, that show I think you should leave which is 
one of the most ridiculous shows I've ever seen in in the best of ways. It's just absolutely mind blowing that they they come up with those ideas and they uh, are just like, yep, we're going with that. Just amazing. But uh, they're just a great band, and uh, we're featuring a lot of tunes from the band's 2020 record, Internet Friends, throughout the episode, as well as some jams from other parts of their catalog. I know they've been working on a new record that I'm anxious to hear and i hope that that roddy and i can connect for another chat when the new album drops and i know it's being produced by by joe reinhardt who is from Hopalong and has produced a lot of great records so i'm eager to uh to hear what they what they cooked up together maybe uh roddy and i can get together when it's not like 8 a.m and we're both dragging from being uh two days into a music festival but i think this is uh hopefully a cool intro to nice if you are not familiar with this minneapolis minnesota based band if you are uh, a portland oregon local and you want to catch some free live music come through produce row every thursday night from 7 p.m to 9 p.m throughout the summer got jazz trios and folk duos singer songwriters things of that nature and then every sunday there are djs there from noon to two for brunch as well the links for all the sponsors of the show will be in the episode notes along with everything else so you can keep up with uh this band nice from minneapolis minnesota we are going to get in to episode 316 and we're going to kick off the episode with a track from nice that's nice with three eyes by the way if you're searching for it we're going to kick it off with a track from their 2020 album internet friends and this song is off that record it's called free earl let's do the damn thing Excited to to chat with you, man. Your set last night was uh, one of my favorites of the the festival that I've seen in the the first 
couple days here. Thank you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I loved being able to play a venue called The Shredder. I was, like, talking about that for, like, weeks. It was like, we're playing The Shredder. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. It's, like, a cool little kind of dingy punk rock club. Yeah, here. for sure. I liked the uh, the big, like, scary guy thing they had. Like, the, the big, like, sculpt. I don't know. It was sculpture, statue, whatever the fuck it was. It was scary. Bobby <laughs> was Hill cool. on the wall. Yeah, for real. <laughs> they had, like, a, uh, like some sort of like ted bundy merch for sale behind the behind the bar too which i was like that's crazy but yeah they also had like an out like a married with children al bundy t-shirt that rules that was up there as well a lot of just like <laughs> weird pop culture stuff yeah, going on in a bunch of crazy stuff and then like all like the pinball machines upstairs they had like south park pinball which I thought was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I came last night uh, to see your set because I had uh, stumbled upon your tunes in the last like few months and enjoyed what I heard there. So you're definitely like one of the bands that I wanted to see while I was out here, and I'm glad I didn't miss the set because I think I went from digging your band to like kind of falling in love with it and like becoming a, a real fan like i bought a t-shirt and shit yesterday yeah. and i'm just kind of like all in on the <laughs> on the nice stuff now thank you thank you yeah, yeah it's cool to finally get out here and play up in the wild wild west you know <laughs> for sure yeah talk to me about uh what you were doing before nice formed and like your entry point into music man mm -hmm. so i'm originally from montana i grew up like in montana when i was 19 i moved to Minnesota and was going to music school and that's how I met uh, Sage and uh, Abe and that's how we, we just started rocking and practicing and stuff and just kind of just immersing ourselves in the local scene and stuff and then Zach joined like a year ago but we were three-piece for years and yeah. yeah did you start playing music from a pretty young age oh yeah uh, my mom is like an incredible singer and like was always like singing and playing music and stuff and like she used to sing at weddings a lot and um i grew up wanting to be a country star because because i was like what we were always listening to i still love country music like a lot I, I play it in the van all the time everyone puts their headphones on when i do it but but i play country music all the time but but yeah was always like super into music and wanted to do something with it even from like a young age there was one time when i was uh like four or five i was the ring bearer at a wedding and uh at the reception i got up and like mike grabbed and like sang she thinks my tractor's sexy by <laughs> by kenny chesney <laughs> letting it rip yeah <laughs> do you feel like that that country music and that that storytelling has had an impact on the way you uh present things lyrically yeah i think so definitely like just like like the emotional lyrics and stuff and just like uh the sad lyrics you know definitely like it's had a big impact on me and like did you pick up an instrument then pretty young since your your mom was playing tunes in the house and singing? Yeah, I think like it, I, I started playing guitar when I was 12 and that was because um, my stepdad had guitars and stuff and like that was like my first like like real like access to to like playing guitar and stuff and I was just like I gotta learn how to play this like I heard a uh, heard Green Day and then I was like okay I gotta learn how to play guitar <laughs> were you just like learning a bunch of covers initially or did you quickly kind of want to write your own tunes I pretty quickly was like 
I like learn how to play like a power chord and like where like and then, and then that I could like move it up and down the neck and play it anywhere and then just like was like all right cool I want to play my own songs and like wrote a lot of bad songs a lot a lot a lot of bad songs but but that was always the goal was like wanting to play my own stuff and were you playing in bands at all back in Montana like what was the the music scene there for you like did you have other friends that were playing at all yeah i had a few um so my hometown is a super small town of like 1500 people in the middle of nowhere it's like 35 miles off the interstate and like i was playing i played in bands like that would play like our local rec center or like a talent show or something but i was never like really doing the thing you know until i started nice were you uh were you kind of always the front person is that kind of always your lane even when you were uh had those those early performances in high school and whatnot yeah definitely i've always like wanted to be like a rock star front person you know i'm very much a leo and love attention (laughs) likewise (laughs) (laughs) uh so that was always the goal wanted to be the front person was always like super obsessed with the whenever i was like into bands like the front person was always like the the one i would try and like emulate like billy joe armstrong james hetfield shit like that like, yeah. so you weren't like fucking around when i saw your like instagram stories the other day and, and people are like whose influences and you're like metallica metallica like, no for real like like that's like i f- feel like people think a lot of times like when they say like i played like the flying v and they're like oh like that's like ironic like no like i love that shit like like and like grew up listening to like judas priest and metallica and shit and like those are like still like all-time favorite bands for me and like was always like from like a young age was like i want to fly in v i want an explorer like no yeah no like all, always like a big influence you know? yeah man i was just talking recently about like metallica was probably my first favorite band and they rule they still do and like yeah. i saw them a few years ago and their two hour set is still Damn. fucking killing and like it's still exciting but yeah, man, my like big takeaway though from listening to your music and then getting to see the live show last night is just I love what a wide range of like rock and roll you're able to cover through the songwriting because it can be I don't know, it can have like that punk rock grit and attitude at times, but I think like the ability to also keep things technically sound. Like I I thought the set last night was really tight. And I think that that is like when you can achieve the punk rock feel and attitude, but still keep shit technically sound is, uh, is like really impressive and super fun, man. Like it keeps it, I felt like it just keeps it really exciting in that there's, there's so many different places you kind of go songwriting wise throughout the records and whatnot. Was that like, did that come pretty naturally just from you absorbing a bunch of different kinds of music that you enjoy? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think, like, when Nice first started, like, I, like, wasn't very good at guitar and, like, was kind of just, like, coasting by. But as, like, we, like, played more and more and, like, toured more and more, like, I got better at guitar. Our last album, Internet Friends, was, like, like, I want to do, do like, math rock shit and, like, yeah. really, like, like learn, play some, like, shreddy stuff. And, like, I, like, a big goal for me is, like, wanting every album we do to sound different you know i don't ever want to make the same record twice so i think like that's a lot of like where like the the wide range of influences come is just like wanting to make something different every time yeah when i when i put on internet friends it just kind of felt like y'all were trying to like make a more complete 
album like listening front to back mm-hmm. you know and having that that intro track kind of setting the tone and and how that bleeds in f- to the the first real song on the album and even how that one transitions to the third song is just like that that short little ad lib and then you're into this next yeah. next thing and it just seemed like you were able to create more of like that album front to back experience yeah that was the goal that was like definitely like we were like because we wanted it, it to feel like it was like like a whole album was like flowing into itself and like being super particular about like spaces in between songs and how long they were and like yeah that was the goal different approach to everything about that record opposed to the the previous try to stay positive i think so i think like that record like like internet friends was like all right here comes like lp2 like we're writing for a full length and then like but like try to stay positive was kind of just like in a lot of ways like the first like 10 songs we felt like super confident about that we could put on a record and was like let's just do a full length you know yeah. And what was it like for you coming from this small town in Montana and then hitting like a, a bigger city in Minneapolis and kind of like probably being around, I would assume, like more musicians than you ever had? It was a shell shock for sure. Like it was like it, it, it was like so exciting. You know, I remember just feeling like almost like like when I started like going to shows and being like, oh, my God, like like a scene like actually exists out here. And it's like. It was like almost like overstimulating at times because it was just like th- there's so much to do all the time versus just like where I grew up, there's nothing to do ever. So it was just like it was awesome, you know. And being around like more musicians was just cool as hell. Yeah, was it uh, was it intimidating to you at all as far as you know presenting your music in front of people and being the front person for this band yeah. and kind of having your like first real opportunity to you know represent yourself with mm-hmm. this group? I think. It was intimidating in the sense that it was just like, wow, like I'm meeting and like playing with like all these people who are like my favorite bands and stuff. And like, like growing up in where I, where I grew up, it was like every band I was into like felt like this like far away thing. And it was never like, it was never like, I never like met anybody. And then like, I think like definitely <laughs> as like a younger person in a band was like a little like over eager to like meet a lot of like the bands I was meeting at that time it was probably came off as super annoying but I was just like super <laughs> stoked to just like be a part of it you know yeah for sure it's uh it's infectious to like kind of get to be around those people too and for sure it's it's awesome when you get to like be around a bunch of live music and that makes you want to go home and and write music yeah play music. absolutely yeah there's a lot of that of like going to a show and just like being like wow i want to go home and write a song like this and like play and shit like this i remember like the first time i went to like a house show and being like whoa this is the coolest fucking thing i've ever been to in my life and it was and still is i I still love going to house shows and shit and we don't play them as often anymore but i love when we get to and stuff and just being in that environment is just so cool to me 
what about that environment do you enjoy is it just like kind of feeling like you're you're very close to the the people that are attending the show and there's not really any like barrier between anything yeah i think there's like i think like part of it is like it was it was something that was so exciting for me when like we first started gigging and stuff and being like it's just like the coolest thing i've ever been a part of and then like and also like there's just something cool about just like screaming like directly in people's faces and like like eye to eye shit and like being up on stage is cool but like there's like kind of nothing that matches that vibe where like you're just right in people's faces the like one of the things i i appreciate about your uh your tunes and the you know your voice is is the range you have there and your ability to to dive into the melodic stuff but got the screaming stuff going on too and i think that that is this underestimated art of figuring out how to scream and (laughs) still lock in with like tone and have that sort of impact um did that come pretty naturally for you figuring that out? And did you just kind of like naturally lean into doing the loud screaming stuff along with the melodic stuff? I think like, yeah, like I said, like I'm like my mom grew up like singing. So I was like singing with my mom for like forever. And then like once I started getting into more like more aggressive music and like, like when I, like the, my first like foray into like the more aggressive side of music was like, I was really into like Christian metalcore from like 2006 to 2012, like that whole era. I still like, will like ride super hard for that era of music as like one of like the best eras of like underground music, like August Burns Red, Under Oath, like all those like bands and shit. Like it's awesome. And like, I love how you could like go to just some church in the middle of nowhere and just see like the heaviest band ever. But, like, basically, like, I just learned how to scream from, like, trying to scream along with those bands and then, like, trying to scream, like, Chester Bennington from Linkin Park or, like, trying to scream along, like, Nirvana songs and stuff in my room was just, like, how I learned how to scream. I don't think I ever, like, I think I I blew my voice out a lot, like, trying to figure out how to do it to where it's, like, comfortable for me. But you find find ways. Everybody's got their own way to do it. Like, you could watch so many tutorials on, like, how to scream from like vocal coaches or whatever but like at the end of the day like you just got to find your way that works for you <laughs> yeah but that's the thing right is like you there is that art to it of figuring out how to do it without blowing out your voice and yeah the, and and i don't think the the everyday listener knows that or like the people that don't like that music <laughs> do not have any appreciation for like the skill that that part takes and to be able to like do it night after night without destroying your voice yeah it's hard it's like uh i think like now i feel like uh my voice is like pretty in shape you know but like over the pandemic like after like a year and a half of like not really doing band practice like not really being able to scream along the songs in like my apartment or anything like i almost forgot how to do it and like it was like hard for me to like come back and like start practicing again and like I got really discouraged a lot, like, when I would, like, blow my voice out again. It would be like, damn, like, did I just forget how to do this shit? Am I, do, can I just not do this anymore? But, you know, it gets back in shape after a while. It's just like any other muscle.
far as the songwriting, are you mostly writing everything, initial ideas on guitar? Yeah, for the most part, like, for the most part, I'll, like, work on, like, the shell of a song and then, like, bring it to the band and then, like, we'll flesh it out together. It, it's definitely not, like, exclusively, like, that way. It's, like, it's, like, people bring, like, riffs and ideas and stuff and we all just kind of, like, jam it out. Is that, uh, that part where you bring that initial idea to the band? Is that usually uh, a pretty safe space for you as far as feeling comfortable with bringing those initial ideas and, and taking criticism at times yeah. with them? Yeah, usually like I'll I'll like take a like I'll send like a video in the group chat or something and be like, what do you think of this? And then like people will be like, ah eh, or nah, you know, like people would like tell me yes or no and then like what they like about it. And like and then if they like it, I'll bring it to the next practice and kind of just work on it like that. Is there points where someone else is bringing that initial idea to the to the room it's mostly like riffs like someone like 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 sage and abe and zach will bring like riffs and then like we'll kind of like jam around the riff and then like maybe i'll take it home and then like kind of work around it and then like bring it back and kind of do it that way do you feel like your your vocal approach is ever different when you're not bringing the riff and someone else is um not just not necessarily like different as much as it's just like it kind of just like changes the way I write around stuff, you know. Like if it fits a if it's like a like a riff from like someone else, it's like usually a different riff than I would probably write. So it's like fitting it around that, you know. What about like recording of the records? Are you, are you all doing this yourselves for the most part? We did uh, Internet Friends ourselves, I think, and we also did most of Try to Stay Positive ourselves. But we just finished recording a record. Um, in Philly with uh, Joe Reinhardt that was really that was really fun to do and like it was cool to like go on location and like stay there for like a week and a half and like make a record and then like just kind of do it that way yeah you feel like that created like a diff just a different vibe getting that opportunity to be somewhere else and definitely yeah it was definitely like a uh, a vibe switch and like just getting like someone else's input on stuff like a lot of stuff changed like while we were recording and like like changing the form of songs and like lyrics and stuff and then like it's just cool to get like another another set of ears on it because like when it's just like the four of us just doing shit over and over again it's like practicing it the same way it's like it's hard to like find what to change on it sometimes because it's just like you just you end up hearing it the same over and over again it's just like how you hear it but then like getting someone else's ears on it and be like hey maybe we try this and it's like oh yeah that that sounds cool as fuck yeah, for sure. Is it easy for you to kind of hear those ideas right away and, and kind of, you know, maybe not be so locked into what your vision was for the song if somebody has a better idea or just wants to try something? I think it was easier than I thought it was going to be. Joe's so easy to work with, too. Like He doesn't come at you with ideas like in like a negative way. It's just more so just like, hey, maybe we should try this. And then like usually it's just like, yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. Like, let's do that. I think in past records, I might I may have been a little more standoffish to that sort of approach, and maybe have been a little more like up my own ass about it. But like I think with this one, I wanted that a lot. Like really wanted that like other set of ears and like set of opinions, and just kind of like yeah, just wanted to try something different. And as far as like the mixing of the records, are you all like pretty hands on and like wanting to kind of be in the the room together with those things like with the previous records that are out um, not really like we kind of like like abe mixed our last uh, mixed internet friends and he would just mix it and then like send it to us and then like we'd send back notes kind of 
but like no we don't usually sit in the same room or anything and uh like what about sequencing of the records are you kind of mulling over that quite a bit and yeah trying to figure out the the puzzle pieces mm -hmm. there yeah i definitely think about that a lot and like and like where like and how the album flows and like what we're starting with what we're ending with like how each song goes into it itself and i think that's something that like I don't, I mean, I'm sure bands think about it, but I feel like it's like kind of overlooked a lot about like how like a record flows together, you know, and like where the songs are on the record. Like, yeah, it's something I put a lot of thought into, especially on like Internet Friends was like, all right, this song goes here. And like, it was like, just like this constant, like, well, maybe this song should go here. Like, maybe we should put a transition here. Type. I, uh, I appreciate at times that you're able to be you know you can dive into the the sad boy emo stuff with the lyrics but also seems like you like to keep it pretty loose and fun a lot of the times as well is it important for you to kind of have that balance and not feel like everything is so serious in regards to the the tunes yeah definitely because like i feel like if it was just like super serious all the time like it wouldn't be like authentically us you know i don't think like we're like a super serious group of people and like we love to joke around love to have fun like and like I, f I think it's like important to me at least to the like to like have like genuine authentic lyrics and stuff but then like also like understand like what it is we're doing and like wh what it is in like the grand scheme of things you know and like we're just a fucking party band so it's like yeah. keep it fun <laughs> yeah i think that's like very representative of like what the live show is you know, yeah. it's just a fucking, it seems like a party. You know, it seems like I want to be at a house show yeah. when I'm watching your band. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's always like, like I think like when I first started going to house shows and stuff and like seeing like the vibe there and like, and like when bands were like party bands, it was like, fuck, like this is sick. I want to be like one of these <laughs> bands. <laughs> How long did it take for you to feel really comfortable on stage in the space like where you felt like you were, I don't know, just where you, where you were a able to just have fun and not like really worry about the technical aspects of things hmm. i feel like i've always been pretty comfortable on stage like from a young age like with the with the the mic grab at the reception shit like i th yeah i feel like on stage stuff like being like a leo and just a lover of attention has just like always just been there you know love love having the eyes on me you know? <laughs> <laughs> and as far as like maybe some of the music that does lean a little heavier like subject wise is that uh difficult at all for you to be revealing of yourself in in that way i think it's it's it it is in like the sense where it's just it's easy for me to like deal with things and like process things using like humor and that's just kind of just like my automatic like defense mechanism and like i really like on internet friends at times and then like also on this new record like try to like be a little more vulnerable and like kind of push myself in that regard and not just like automatically defer to like jokes about smoking weed and shit yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure uh i think sugar smacks off the internet friends record i thought was like a very cool representation of that vulnerability but also like keeping things loose too when you're like talking about seeing yourself and your dad or mm. seeing your dad and yourself and, and things like that or those yeah. like revealing moments that are they're pretty cool thank you yeah i feel like that that yeah i i forgot about that song i'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. I, I really like that song it's a i think like especially on internet friends it's one of my more like 
proud lyrical moments. Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. It's summertime and they've got their 45th Parloma on the menu, their play on the Paloma, as well as their staple food item, the Rosemary Garlic Fries, which are easily my favorite thing on the starters menu, that fry sauce... I don't know what it is, but it's banging. And in addition to the cocktails and the food, they've got one of the best patios in the city, tons of big screens outside to enjoy the sun and all your favorite sports. And the best part is they've also got free live music. You can catch DJs there every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Residencies from local artists including Spinach, Vanport, Sicko Side, and WWJP as well as DJs and beat makers every Sunday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Don't miss local beat makers Love Jones and Free Tillman every second Sunday and DJ Slim Gweenie every fourth Sunday at North 45 Pub. Now let's get back to the episode. As far as lyric writing, are you somebody that just has all of these random lines kind of scattered everywhere or are you somebody that kind of likes to sit down and and complete something mm. in one sitting it kind of varies like i have like a bunch of random stuff in my notes app and stuff and that i'll like pull from sometimes or like go back to if i'm ever feeling like writer's blocks i'll like just scroll through my notes app sometimes and try and like pull something out of there that i like and like kind of work around that but uh i feel like for the most part it does happen like kind of just be jamming with like a riff i really like and kind of just like going along with that yeah do you find that you'll even dig back to something that maybe you wrote this line like three years ago or something that like sparks mm. something for you yeah definitely i think like like blunt force marijuana like that song exists like the riff to that song existed for like two years before we like made it a song and like yeah i think just like we were looking for like one more song on never better and i was just like well this riff is cool and then like we just wrote around that is it kind of interesting to you to kind of see how maybe old thoughts will uh kind of show themselves later and maybe how those uh like the meanings of things that you wrote years yeah. ago will change over time mm -hmm, definitely i think it's like cool to like look back at like old songs and like kind of like think about like like what songs meant to me when we put them out and then like my relationship with them now you know just changes a lot over time are you someone that's pretty open with uh showing your lyrics to the to the other dudes before they're done like will you consult with them at all about the stuff you're writing or is it kind of more of a thing where you like to bring it to them when it's a little more fleshed out and finished yeah i usually like to bring it when it's like a little fleshed out and like i'm like more confident with the lyrics and stuff i'm not like i'm not like against like feedback with like lyrics and stuff but it's like one of those things where it's like 
if like I want to write the lyrics. If I'm like if I'm singing them, like it's like I want to write it. <laughs> yeah, is that mostly just so that you feel like you can do it genuinely and and have the the passion behind it when you are singing, or kind of understand like what the attitude of each emotion is? Yeah, I think so. Definitely, it's just it just feels like it's coming from like my perspective, you know. That Springsteen, <laughs> the boss, <baby. laughs> the boss. How did that that come about? You doing that that jam? Uh, Bruce Springsteen is my favorite artist of all time, and like, um, I've always wanted to cover like that song specifically. And it, we were just bored over quarantine. It was just like, well, let's fucking write the sickest, or not write. Let's record the sickest fucking Bruce Springsteen cover. <laughs> uh, Abe's dad actually played the saxophone solo. Oh, that. that's amazing! Yeah. That's so, so shout cool. out, Doug. <laughs> that's rad. Uh, yeah, what about Springsteen? Is kind of always spoken to you. I just love the way he tells stories and like how it just feels very like real and very like I want to say like blue collar, where that sounds cheesy, but it just feels like I don't know. It just feels like it comes from like a perspective I identify with, and like it it doesn't come from like I don't know. It's not like fancy or it's just it's just the boss. You yeah, know? it's something too highbrow. <laughs> yeah, and, like feels like anyone can kind of connect to it yeah nothing too far out or pretentious and it's fun like it's like you know serious lyrics but like never really takes itself too seriously and like and also just it's just sick Like, um, the dude from, have you ever seen The Sopranos? Uh, yeah. Yeah, the guy who plays Sill is Bruce Springsteen's guitar player. When I found that out, I was like, wow, that's the coolest shit ever. (laughs) I think that rules. Like, he, like, he just, like, was Bruce Springsteen's guitar player for years and then was like, you know what, I'm gonna get into acting. Right? (laughs) So he's in, like, one of the most, you know, acclaimed bands of all time and he's a part of one of the most acclaimed TV shows of all time. Both from New Jersey. Yeah, so rad. The two two things from New Jersey (laughs) that that are... (laughs) The two coolest things from New Jersey, The Sopranos and and the E Street Band. He's part of both. <laughs> That's pretty rocking. Do you find that pop culture is like a big uh, influence or reference to the things that you're writing or like even song titles at times? Definitely song titles. I've, a lot of like, especially stuff on like, like internet friends is like a lot. There's a lot of like meme titles and a lot of like jokes that are like inside jokes and also like pop culture references and stuff. And You like kind of having those, those Easter eggs as well for the people that mm-hmm. identify with those yeah. things. And a lot of the people who like, really know the lore of nice and stuff like a little like inside jokes about shit that goes on you know try to keep that stuff yeah around sure. too yeah. as well for, for yeah. the, the people that have been paying attention for a while and whatnot yeah and bring back stuff you know is there, is there ever like 
parts where you'll kind of like reference another like a previous song or anything like throughout the lyrics or what do you mean by uh you know keeping keeping the lore of you know of nice kind of present in that yeah i think there's some references on the new album to like older songs and stuff and like like how we grew away from like stuff i think like a lot of a lot of like the, like a song coachella is a reference to I had a viral tweet on the Nice account on one of the first. So, I've had our Twitter, our band Twitter account suspended three times. And <laughs> what are you doing on there, Roddy? Um, so, <laughs> so I tweeted. I woke up and tweeted, uh, "I could kill and eat Ben Shapiro and not lose a minute of sleep over it." <laughs> and all of his fucking conservative wacko fans found it. And they just, I spent the whole day like fighting with them. It was awesome. It was like, I was having so much fun. And then apparently so many of them like reported the account that like they permanently suspended it. And which I think is lame. All the shit that I see on Twitter all the time, all the fucked up shit people say. And then like, I feel like what I said was pretty tame. And uh, but yeah, they suspended my, the account. And then, and then like the other two or three times it's been suspended has been like, they just found it. And that, and so like on the new Twitter account, it doesn't say nice at all. Like with with three eyes, it'll have like three middle finger emojis for the eyes, or like <laughs> like the 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 account is like nice band, but band is spelled like B A N N E D, and then like it's like N six 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 C E. Like so you can't have like our band name on the actual account, which is annoying and stupid and makes it hard to find. But like. <laughs> whatever <laughs> uh but the the name coachella is like a reference to like a viral tweet i had about coachella being too expensive and just like little little shit like that you know our, our uh our music video for blunt force marijuana has a lot of like references to like like running jokes we we make and like uh cartoons and shows we like and stuff and it's just like a bunch of easter eggs about shit yeah is there a lot of uh crossover between everyone in the band as far as stuff you guys enjoy whether it's like music or tv and stuff like that yeah i think so like we definitely like um you ever seen the show i think you should leave yeah i love that oh i love that fucking show (laughs) that's like our show like (laughs) there's been tours where we've like what's the joke yeah (laughs) what's the joke (laughs) (laughs) yeah that 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 show rules um we uh there's been tours where we've like pulled up to people's houses and been like have you ever seen this show and they're like no and we're like oh okay and we'd like play the whole this fucking is what we're thing. doing for the rest yeah, of the day yeah <laughs> just commandeer like these people's tv like and be like all right three hours later we have watched all of it but yeah it's a like that we really love like we watch a lot of like uh there's another show called auntie donna's big house big old house of fun that's like a similar skit show to into i think you should leave but it's from new zealand okay and like it's just these dudes from New Zealand, like making jokes, and like we all really like that one. Um, there's this place called uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, or there's a show called Dark Garth Marenghi's Dark Place <laughs> that that we all watch. I'm not a huge fan of that one, but everyone else really likes that one. Yeah, I watch a lot of Simpsons. Like the other night at a hotel, we all fell asleep watching South Park, and just because it was on, and we woke up in the morning and south park was like still playing so we just like watched south park in our sleep all night just let it roll this just is, let it roll this is what's uh, yeah this is the vibe to the dreams <laughs> yeah and i woke up and everyone was like damn i tried to 
I tried to, Zach was like, Roddy took the remote. I couldn't turn off South Park all night. And I was like, dude, like it was right next to you the whole night. You, I handed it to you before I <laughs> fell asleep. He's like, oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> Do that. I think you should leave bit where they've got the, uh, it's the funeral service where the, the yeah. coffins keep dropping Coffin out of the bunk. Oh man, that that's one of my favorites from that for We're sure. Just filming, filming a bunch of funerals and, and uh, putting on the ones where the bodies fly out. <laughs> I, I really like the one um, uh, where they're playing charades, and he's he's like it's the jazz guy with Tim Heidecker. He's <laughs> like, your record collection's pretty meat and potatoes, Liz. <laughs> oh, thanks. No, I just mean you don't have anything rare in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and that's it's great that they have Tim in there because it's very like Tim and Eric. Yeah, I feel really. like is uh, definitely along mm. those same lines. Yeah. Uh, I also just think Tim Robinson is just like the craziest he's just so cool he, he's he's really good at skating and like he'll post like videos of him on twitter or like someone he's not on twitter but someone will post like videos of him on twitter of him just like landing a kickflip like he'll just like pull up to like skate with like a bunch of kids and it's just like this like 45 year old dude just skating with all these kids it's so fucking cool <laughs> uh, a friend of mine like he lives in detroit and like they were working at this coffee shop and like he would just come in there all the time and just get coffee and I would be like, do you like ever like talk to him? And, and they were, and she's like, no, like he's just a guy like getting his coffee. It's like, I would punish the shit out of that guy. <laughs> There's like a few people, like if I were to meet them, like I would be a huge punisher. And I think Tim Robinson's one of those guys. <laughs> That's so awesome. He also really loves turnstile and he like goes to turnstile shows like all across the country, like all the time. It's so fucking cool. Dude, you just got to send him like a nice shirt I or know, something, you know? For real. Figure out, figure out how to make him a fan. Yeah, for real. I need, I need it. <laughs> so, like, the uh, the overall vibe, though, is, like, keep it laughing amongst everybody and just trying to keep those those vibes carrying through and having Definitely. having a good time, whether yeah. it's on stage or in the yeah. van, cruising yeah. around. I feel like you got to, like, especially, like, in the van and stuff. It's, like, you just got to find ways to keep the vibes up, especially on, like, we just did this, like, 30-hour drive from Texas to Idaho over the past few days i was just like gotta find ways to keep the vibe up because there ain't much between texas and idaho to look at until you get <laughs> until you get to colorado so it was, and then like on the way here we drove through like heavy fog tornadoes a blizzard like black ice we we almost slid off the road on some mud because we had to take a back road to get around a train yeah it was like this crazy fucked up drive like honestly like the scariest day of my life but like we made it. You know? <laughs> I'm sure that makes it like really exciting when you finally get to the place yeah, where you're playing. For and sure. You're just like, yeah, like you said, we made it. Yeah. We're here. And we found out we didn't, ha like, we pulled up to Denver to stay in the night. And then we hit, in the morning we took it to get an oil change. We found out our brakes were fucked. And we had to get our, so we did that whole drive through like a blizzard and shit with no brakes. <laughs> Which is wild. Life on the road. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, I was just like, damn my argument was like well shit if we made it through that do we even need to get the brakes fixed because <laughs> like it's not going to be that bad today. yeah just keep gambling yeah, on that gambling. like we don't need to spend that money on the brakes because we didn't need them in the blizzard <laughs> <laughs> great logic right? exactly exactly <laughs> is it uh so like today you're gonna you know you're gonna make this eight hour drive or so and then play a show pretty much right when you get there is it easy for you to turn it on kind of in those moments when you maybe are dragging from being in the van all day and then having to do the load in and yeah. 
I think it's like it's hard like in like the lead up and you're like fuck like, I'm like tired like I haven't really slept like like on tour like I almost never sleep really like more than a couple hours every night but like and I don't sleep in the van because I just can't sleep in cars very much I sometimes will get like 20 minutes of sleep in the van but for most for the most part I can't sleep in the van and like it's hard in the lead up to a show where it's like fuck I'm exhausted and then but like once you get set up and like you know the, the amps turn on and shit gets loud and like you hear the feedback and shit and like there's people and it's just like all right let's rock you know <laughs> for sure talk to me about like what drew you into wanting to play with sage and abe and and zach initially and mm. and just uh like what you feel like the the chemistry is between y'all in, in the like whether it's it's writing together or just putting together the live show yeah i think like we all just like really got a passion for riffs <laughs> and like like big stupid stoner riffs and shit and like i like we kind of are all on the same page about like what music rocks you know and uh yeah i think that's a big part of it and also like i feel like our vibes just kind of play off well with all of each other yeah you know? who do you feel like is because it seems like all of you bring the same energy to the live show but do you feel like one of you is kind of the catalyst for that Not really i feel like we all kind of like bring our own like energy and vibe to to the set and like like zach's wild sage is like sage does all like the crazy drum faces abe's just like the coolest guy in the world so i feel like abe just like oozes cool you know <laughs> and like me I just, i'm just i'm just wild and crazy and like love to throw my guitar around so we all just kind of play off each other i yeah. think i was uh i was having a real good time last night watching sage just absolutely shred on the drums shreds. dude like Shred. just so fucking good um they grew up also a fan of like christian metalcore and like that's how they learned how to play drums was like to along like august burns red and shit and like so when i first met them they were like when we went to music school together like they were a drum student and like it was just like i would just walk past like the practice room and just like hear them practicing and they're better now than they were then in a lot of ways and like yeah they're just insane drummer do you feel like that's a lot of that as far as you all just it, getting better as musicians is uh, just kind of tied to like wanting to, I don't want to say impress each other, but just like keep trying to raise the bar together and want to get better, become better musicians and, you know, push each other in that way? Yeah, definitely. I think like, I don't know, I think like we you just like gig gig together for so long. It's just like, like you just end up like pu pushing, you know, and like pushing it to different heights like like the way abe writes bass parts is way different than than like he used to like way back in the day like it's it's a lot more like chords and there's a lot more like lead bass kind of parts like and he like does a lot of shit with like his pedals and shit like puts a lot of like chorus on the bass which like on paper doesn't really make a ton of sense but like it sounds awesome the way he does it and like yeah i just think it's just been like this gradual like pushing each other yeah man like I said, the live show was was incredibly tight. As much of the uh, the high energy that was there, it was just uh, I was very impressed and definitely just made me uh, fall in love with your band. So I know you got I know you got a long drive ahead of you. So uh, I want to play the episode out with Blunt Forest Marijuana, which is a track you've talked about a couple times yeah. <laughs> in this this uh, conversation. This is. Uh, one of my favorite tunes from the band and uh i think it was maybe my entry point 
into checking out your music was this song and it oh, definitely yeah. <laughs> grabbed me quickly um is there anything you remember about this one coming together whether it was you know the writing of it or recording of this one i think this was like like writing never better i think there was like the first time that like any of us were like whoa like this is cool like this is like awesome and like i think like that that song is like one of the best ones off that ep and like yeah that riff's cool um recording it we recorded never better we did like two um midnight to 6 a.m sessions like back to back and like sage didn't sleep at all for like two and a half days about it and like i didn't really i took a shit ton of adderall and didn't really sleep and just like <laughs> to get through like the recording process and it was like there's something cool about like you, you put yourself in like these like really like uncomfortably short time frames and you're like all right you have this much time to get it done get it done and like i just think that shit's cool yeah do you feel like you thrive kind of like in that space rather than having this open-ended amount of time to create something definitely i think i i think it's just a different vibe you know like i think we've done both and like i think like like internet friends was like this open thing of just like oh well we have like all this time to do it and like which was awesome we got to hang out a ton and like make a record and like but like doing it in that like two midnight to 6 a.m sessions was just like i don't know it's just like it's chaotic it's stressful but like it's almost like like uh to be like cheesy it's like how like pressured makes diamonds and shit like i feel like like kind of like that kind of vibe like and like on this new record too like we had eight days to make a record and like which it feels like a lot but it doesn't end up being a lot and like just yeah just putting yourself in like uncomfortable positions to see what happens yeah and hopefully that doesn't give you too much time to overanalyze yeah. things and yeah. like because yeah it feels like that can be a big part of it is just kind of getting in your own way at a certain point when you have too much time to work on a song or work on a yeah. mix absolutely it definitely uh um switches the vibe up do you remember uh what sparked initial lyrics for that tune or like what you were going through when you got the initial ideas for blunt force marijuana I think, like like i really wanted to find a way to like write about like to write about and like be vulnerable about my dad and stuff without feeling cheesy about it and feeling like i was like oversharing i think like that's like one of the first songs where it's like I felt that I was like doing that in the way I wanted to do it. Right on, dude. <clears throat> well, like I said, I appreciate the the songwriting quite a bit. I think you're just, uh, yeah, the killer hooks and Thank you. <laughs> the the big energy and uh, just uh, yeah, the the wide range of everything sticks out to me too. Just from like going through the whole catalog and getting to see that there's some ballady tunes mm -hmm. and also things that are just like super heavy and feel like they have hardcore and mathy influences is uh it's cool and keeps things super interesting so oh yeah appreciate you uh giving me some of your time and doing this this early morning yeah. cast <laughs> as we're both waking up but uh we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program so if we could get the uh the nice it's a program. We can properly end this thing. Uh, cool. This is Roddy from Nice. Uh, it's a program. He nailed it, everybody. <laughs> Check out Nice. I'll put all the links in the episode notes so you can keep up with the band. Check out their audio tree performances and all their other records that are available on all the streaming services. And uh, we're going to play it out with that Blunt Force Marijuana track. That's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. Tree Fort, Boise, 
Minneapolis, wherever you are listening from. There's some drilling going on in the back. It's awesome. Just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their longtime support of this thing. Make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. You can also find the link in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Big thanks to Distro Kid and the other sponsors of the show, Produce Row Cafe and North 45. Stay up, stay tuned.